It is good to be with you this Christmas Eve. Um, I share Blaine's excitement as well. Um, during Advent, if you haven't been with us, we've been looking at those gifts that Jesus, his birth, brings to us. So we looked at hope the first week, we looked at love the second week, we looked at joy, and then today we get to look at peace. Um, so in 2003, a journalist named Chris Hedges he set out to determine this. Check this out. Can you imagine trying to figure this out? How many sustained periods of peace have there been on human record? That's what he set out to figure out in 2003. Now this Hedges, this guy, he defined war as any act of conflict that has claimed more than 1,000 lives. So he reviewed 3,400 years of human history and he discovered just 268 war-free years. That's approximately 92% of recorded history has been marked by active conflict. Isn't that crazy to think? Right now as I speak, the largest war um, in, your, in Europe has taken place since World War II with, with the Russian uh, war against Ukraine. So we've got that going on as of September uh, 30th, 7,536,433 Ukrainian refugees have been registered outside of Ukraine. It's amazing in scope. 15.7 million people across Ukraine need humanitarian assistance. Oh my goodness. You know, you don't have to look overseas to see that our world is in chaos, right? There is conflict. Think of our own country, the racial injustice that is still alive and well, in the political division that we experience all the time, that there just doesn't seem to be an end in sight. And yet, you don't even have to go out, you know, outside of the typical American home to see chaos and to see conflict. The divorce rate is still nearly 50%, right? Uh, many people, really don't like Christmas because of the family feuds that happen, right? And so they have to go be in homes with people they would rather not be in homes with, right? And so peace, where is the peace? Our world seems torn apart by chaos. And then you don't even have to go too far outside of your own heart to see the chaos that is present, right? Internally, we, we experience this inner turmoil Depression is now at epidemic levels, especially among our young people. In fact, from 2015 to 2020, depression rose fastest among teens and young adults ages 12 and older. Now, you did not come to Christmas Eve service to hear one depressing sermon, did you? You did not, I know it. But here's the thing. In order to be able to appreciate the cure, what do we have to first appreciate? The disease. So, when a person goes in remission, you know, when they have cancer, cancer goes into remission, we celebrate and we should. Why? Because we know how deadly cancer can be. And so for us to understand the solution that Jesus brings, we have to first understand the chaos and how we've gotten into this place. So let's unpack it a little bit. And the Bible is our go-to source, right? To understand us and the world we're living in, the Bible has answered. 
Uh, I'm not going to read Genesis 3 to you, but this is what Genesis 3 tells us. Genesis 3 tells us why our world is in chaos. So, here is the chaos formula that Genesis 3 teaches us. It's on the screen. It's going to be on the screen. Lack of peace with God equals chaos. Inner turmoil and relational turmoil. This is, hopefully, it will go on the screen. Uh, This is the chaos formula. So, let's look at what Genesis 3 has to say about this chaos formula. First of all, the first humans you need to know in Genesis 3, they thought life would be better apart from God. And so as a result, they rejected God in their life. They thought they could find peace and joy and contentment apart from him doing their own thing. Uh, Satan convinced them that this was true, that a life apart from God was better. Uh, And so Satan still whispers to people today, doesn't he? He whispers this, life would be better without God. God is your problem. His rules, they're restrictive, they're outdated. Ditch God and then you will find peace. You will find the joy that you are seeking. Perhaps you're here today and Satan's been whispering that in your ear. Now, there's a lot of ways we can define sin, um, but the essence of sin, no matter how you define it, is this. Saying to God, I don't need you. My life is better without you. That is the essence of sin, right? You know, uh, we've all done this with God, have we not? God commands us to love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But we haven't. We have said, you know what, God? I don't need you. I can love my career with all my mind, heart, soul, and strength. I can love my children with all my mind, heart, soul, and strength. I can love achievement with all my mind, heart, soul, and strength. I can love my investment portfolio with all my mind, soul, and strength. We have not loved God with with everything that we are and everything we have. God commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Have we uh, done well with that command? Well, my neighbor annoys me. He drives me crazy. I'm not going to love him, right? My coworker hurt me. I'm not going to forgive my coworker. I know better than you, God, right? My friend didn't keep their promise. Forget them. My spouse mistreated me, right? I'm not going to care for them. I'm not going to put up with him or her. We'll stay married, but we won't be engaged. We'll just kind of like cohabitate and we'll just get through for the kids. But I'm not going to forgive and move on. We do this all the time. Don't you see all of us have rejected God. We have all stiff-armed God. We've all said, I'm better without you. You know, rejecting God's commands is rejecting the commander. Know that. When we reject the commands, we reject... The commandment. Um, How did Adam and Eve, so if you were to read Genesis 3, when their sin is exposed, that they have decided that life would be better without God, how did they respond? Well, did they run back to God and ask for forgiveness? They did not. They hid from God. Why did they hide from God? Because sin hates to be exposed. Chances are there are people here dealing with some significant sin, and it's in the dark because sin hates to be exposed. It thrives in the shadows. 
And so Adam and Eve, they're guilty before God, so they hide from His presence. They don't want to deal with God. When, you, you ever wonder why some people, when God is mentioned, they're uncomfortable? There are a whole bunch of people in a church right now all across the globe who don't want to be there. And the reason they don't want to be there, and the only reason they're there is because their wife drug them there, their daughter or their son wants them to be there. And the reason they don't want to be there, because when they come to church, they have to face this God who they have rebelled against. And they don't feel right. They feel guilty. They feel off. They feel uncomfortable. Sin does not want to be exposed. All right, let's continue with the chaos equation. Lack of peace with God equals inner turmoil. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, what they did is they declared war against God because they said, hey, I'm going to live in opposition to you. And so, you know, I'm going to oppose you with my life. Now, what happened to Adam and Eve? They felt their nakedness and they were ashamed. If you were to read Genesis 3, this is what it tells us. Which means they felt very self-conscious. They felt very insecure. They felt full, like their inner world was this cocktail mix of insecurity, guilt, and shame. That's the inner turmoil they were experiencing. They didn't feel comfortable in their own skin. How many people are walking around today that don't feel comfortable in their own skin? There's this inner turmoil that is happening. Now, how did Adam and Eve respond to their insecurity, their guilt and shame? They came clean, right, with one another? No. Adam blamed Eve for his disobedience. Then he blamed God for giving him Eve. And then Eve blamed Satan for her disobedience. You need to know this, insecure, guilt, and shame-ridden people attempt to hide their inner brokenness from other people through argument, justification, and blame-shifting. And so, if you see justification in your life, if you are shifting blame all the time, if somebody approaches you with something you've done wrong and this is your response, look out. Sin is lurking at your door. You know, for some people, it's always God's fault. Right? That's, you know, he's really the broken one, not me. Or it's my spouse's fault. If she would just get her stuff together, if he would just get his stuff together, then it wouldn't be such a mess, right? It's my co-worker's fault. Right? It's always somebody else. It's Satan made me do it. It's always somebody else's fault, right? Insecurity, guilt, and shame want to remain concealed, just like sin wants to remain concealed. Concealed. All right, lack of peace of God. Let's continue with the chaos equation. Lack of peace of God equals relational turmoil. If you go to Genesis 3, you see Adam and Eve's relationship had completely unraveled. In Genesis 3.16, we read that Eve desired to dominate Adam. And Adam desired to lord it over Eve. That's what they wanted. So this, this relationship of mutual joy and service that led to mutual satisfaction became one in which that there was this competition and I want to rule over you. There are two different matrices which we can operate out of in our relationships. Here are the two different ones. The first one is this. Me first. I want to meet my needs through you. I want to feed on you. 
That's the first matrix we can operate out of. The second one we can operate out of in our relationships is this. You first, I want to meet your needs, I want to feed you. Once Adam and Eve rejected God, they started to operate out of this matrix. I want to meet my needs through you. I want to feed off of you. That's what happened. Insecure, self-conscious people operate out of that matrix. So this is the chaos equation. Lack of peace with God leads to lack of inner peace, which leads to a lack of relational peace. So what's the solution? What's the cure for chaos now that we've seen uh, the, the problem? What's the solution? You know what most people do to fix the, the peace problem, their lack of peace, is they try and fix their relationships or they try and fix themselves, right? That's what most people do. That's what our culture will tell you to do. That's what self-help books will tell you to do. It's not going to work. Because the opposite... So, if, if the, the chaos equation is lack of peace with God leads to inner turmoil, relational t turmoil, guess what the peace equation is? It's the opposite. So peace with God leads to inner peace that leads to relational peace. This is the answer. This is the answer to all the division and conflict that we are experiencing in our world. Right here. This is the peace equation. Let me, let me explain it to you a little bit. Um, let me answer the question, well, how can we find peace with God? Because if the only way we're going to find inner peace and relational peace is if we first have peace with God, how do we get it? This is where the miracle of Christmas comes in. This is why it's so powerful. Uh, Christmas, this is remarkable. Christmas is God taking the initiative to make peace with us. We're the ones who walked out on God, and yet he is the one that takes the initiative to restore a relationship to him. It's remarkable. No other religion will tell you this is what God does. Okay? How does he restore peace with us? Well, there's a problem. There's a problem because God cares about justice, which means he cares about right and wrong. And he will not let the guilty go unpunished. So we got that, but yet God is extremely merciful and he wants to restore our relationship to him so it can be one of peace. So how can God's justice be met and yet how can he extend mercy to us who we've already declared are guilty? We all are. What's the solution? Christmas is the solution because Jesus, what he does, this is what Jesus does. God's Son was born into the world to take on the punishment we deserve for saying to God, I don't need you, and then causing a whole bunch of chaos in the world as a result. Jesus, he was born so that he could go to the cross, so that he could die for us, taking upon himself the death we deserve for our rejection against God. Romans 6.3 tells us the wages of sin is death. The Bible defines death as Separation from God now and separation from God forever in a place that the Bible calls hell. That's our just punishment. And yet God wants to restore a relationship to us. But he has to be just because he's a just God. And we wouldn't want to worship him if he's not. Jesus is the answer. 
Jesus on the cross. That's where God's justice and his mercy, they kiss, they meet, they're both satisfied, and we are forgiven. And we can be reconciled to God. We can have peace with God. That's when God goes from being our judge to our father, and that changes everything. Knowing God, not as your judge, but as your father, it will change your life. Let me just explain a little bit as to why. If the God of the universe is my loving father, and he has paid for all my sin, and is not holding it against me in any way, I no longer must hold on to it. He has forgiven me, and therefore I can forgive myself. I can let the past be the past. If God is my loving Father, I no longer must work so hard to hide my brokenness from Him and others. I can be secure enough in my Father's love that I can be transparent and address my faults with God and others. If the God of the universe is my loving Father and I am the apple of His eye, guess what? Man's opinion of me no longer controls me. Some of you would have so much more peace if man's opinion didn't control you so much. But when God's my Father and I'm secure in His love and who He has made me to be, then I can die to that. Right? If God, if the God of the universe has promised to be with me and to never forsake me, then I never have to fear being alone. If God did not spare His Son to forgive me for the countless ways that I rejected and opposed Him, guess what? I can absorb the pain when someone wrongs me in far lesser ways than I hurt God and not retaliate, but rather extend forgiveness. If the God who is in control of all things is my loving Father, I have assurance that no matter what comes into my life, in His infinite wisdom, He's working all things together for my ultimate good. If God sent Jesus to serve me in the most sacrificial way, guess what I can do for other people? I can serve them. If God is my loving Father, I can see all the good in my life as a gift from God that I don't deserve. Right now, your breath, you don't deserve it. Be thankful for it. You don't deserve it. The Christmas celebrating you're about to do, don't deserve it. But God, He's a gracious, loving, merciful Father, and so He's allowing you to enjoy it. Those gifts you will open tomorrow. Hopefully you'll get some gifts tomorrow. It's a gracious gift. You don't deserve it. See, knowing God as my loving Father gives me this attitude of gratitude that I see all of life through. If God is my loving Father, He already approves of me because He views me now as if I did everything Jesus did. If my trust is in Jesus, He sees me as if I did everything Jesus did. Therefore, I no longer must prove my worth through my career, my number of followers, right? My bank account, my perfect marriage, my perfect kids, or achievement. I can relax in the Father's acceptance. He has made me worthy. If God is my loving Father, I no longer must fear death which is right around the corner for all of us, right? But I no longer have to fear it. You see, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that operates the peace equation. Only he can give you peace with God that enables you to experience inner peace, right? That leads to relational peace, that empowers you to go into the world and be a peacemaker in all your spheres of influence. He is the answer. 
And so we all have a choice to make. And the greatest decision you will ever make is what did you do with Jesus? And so today I'm asking you that question. What have you done with Jesus? That's the question. Have you stiff-armed him like Adam and Eve and said, you know what? I will do quite okay without you. Or have you turned to him in repentance and faith? and said, I need you, Prince of Peace, to restore my relationship to God the Father. Because I know and I now see that it's the only way I'm ever going to have inner peace. It's the only way that I'm going to find peace in my relationships. It's the only way I'm going to experience peace in the next life when Jesus returns and makes things new and gets rid of all sources of chaos forever. Joy to the world. He comes to remove the curse as far as the curse is found. Come on now. Let's pray. Ah, Jesus, we thank you for coming on that first Christmas day. God, if you were just just and not merciful, there would be no need for Christmas. There would be no need for Jesus to come. You would just wipe us out. I am so thankful that you're not only just, but you are also merciful. (coughs) And Lord, if you were just merciful, but not just, there would be no need for Christmas either. Because there would be no need for Jesus to come. There would be no need for him to go to the cross. But because you are both just and merciful, Christmas was necessary. It was the only way to make peace with us. We thank you for being willing to go to such great lengths to make peace. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.